Hi, this is Hugh Greenwood from the North Melbourne Footy Club, and you're listening to another episode of the Hashtag Kangaroos Podcast. Here is your host, Dean Basich. Welcome to another episode. My name is Dean Vasic. You can find me on X at hashtag Kangas, Instagram hashtag Kangaroos Podcast, TikTok hashtag Kangaroos One. So tonight I'm welcome to I welcome to the show Siobhan Rowe and Jesse to go through our impressive intra club performance yesterday. Obviously, it was overshadowed uh, this afternoon with the latest news on Taron Thomas and the sacking of him. We had a lot to talk about there. Obviously disappointing, but it's time um, the correct decision was made. And yeah, we talked a little bit about that. So there was a lot to go through. I'm not going to waste any more of your valuable time. We spoke for over an hour. Let's bring on Siobhan and Jesse to t- chat about it. So tonight, I welcome to the show Siobhan Rowe and the one and only Jesse Cardinal. Now, this is the first episode under the era of Northball, which we were talking about for years to come, I think, Jesse and Siobhan. I can't wait to chat about it, how good we are, but I want to start with a negative first, and I need both your thoughts on Taron Thomas. Siobhan, I know you've been vocal with him in the past, and um, you've been attacked a few times too on X, I have seen. But uh, yeah, I will start with you here, and I, think, and I think it's a move that had to happen, didn't it? The club has sacked Taron Thomas after his after his latest indiscretion, and he has no one else to blame but himself. And for quite frankly, his stupidity and lack of responsibility in anything he does, which stems back from the last couple of years, doesn't it, Siobhan? It does, and I mean, by no stretch of the imagination, I didn't want this day to come, and I really was hoping that he would turn things around. But at the end of the day, and like I put on X. Um, there's no place for any perpetrators of domestic violence. And now that those AFL uh, findings have come down, that he is found guilty of this behaviour, which at the end of the day has no place in society, let alone the North Melbourne Football Club. So um, what makes me sad about this situation is that I think Jen Watt, uh, Todd Viney, Sonia Hood all invested a lot of time and energy in, in hoping and, um, and putting in programs and tools and giving him basically every sort of resource available that not the average Joe in in society gets to try and change some of his behaviour and the way that he views and thinks about the world and women in particular. Um, And unfortunately, he has just uh, tossed that aside with the latest sort of transgressions. Um, So I think this decision had to happen. By no means is anyone happy about it, but... um, I think he needs to go away and probably work on himself and do that externally to the football club. We all need to move on. Um, and I hope that this is the last we hear of Taron Thomas in the AFL. Um, I don't I don't know what's going to happen for him in the future, but um, I'm glad that the club today decided that enough was enough. Um, extremely disappointing. Um, I think Sonia summed it up beautifully and a lot of us are feeling quite um, disappointed and sad and a bit angry at the situation. But at the end of the day um, now that he has been found guilty and has that 18 week sort of suspension handed down the club just had their hands tied behind their back but as North Melbourne does and and what again um, speaks to the the great sort of nature of this football club is that they have said they'll continue to support him and um, hopefully for the sake of sort of him and everyone really he can try and change his life but it doesn't look too promising considering um really the the track record now of his um quite abhorrent behavior so um we all move on I just feel sorry for this football club in many ways because there was no doubt 
what Taryn Thomas could bring on the field. We've now lost that and we just have to regroup and, and go again. But it's unfortunate that, um, yeah, it's come to this and that we lose a quite special talent um, and hopefully going forward, um, yeah, he can he can sort his, his shit out, <laughs> put it yeah, quite, quite frankly. The, yeah, and that's pretty well said. He needs to sort his shit out. Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as that. The things that he's saying and the lack of uh, responsibility and, you know, those, those are messages in the Herald Sun that were, you know, if he did send them, yeah, that's quite scary too, you know. That's uh, obviously someone that's got um, deep personal issues and he needs to sort that sort of shit out because, you know, at the end of the day, um, I think uh, you might have mentioned, Siobhan, you know, not just about football, but this guy might end up behind bars if he keeps going you know, down his track and uh, gets into stupid uh, you know, uh, decisions and relationships that um, he shouldn't be in, really. So he's got to sort himself out. Now, Jesse, uh, we're just about to talk about North Ball in, uh, in a sec with the run and gun approach, and it's a shame that he can't get his shit sorted because with his talent and skill set, this would really suit his style of play. Oh, absolutely. This this type of game style, that, and we'll talk a little bit more about it, but this game style that we've um, deployed uh, would really suit him. Absolutely. He would be able to come off the halfback. He could play forward. It, it made players of his ilk look a lot more dangerous. Um, so it is, it is disappointing for a lot of reasons, but at the end of the day, he's a wanker. There's no better way of putting it, to be honest. He's just a wanger, and I can't see him getting better um, because I don't think – I think I said this last year. I don't understand how you need to go on a course to learn how to treat women. Um, better off without him. We don't need him around the young kids we've got in the group, and I can just imagine what they think about him. So, yeah, look, real shame. Would have suited the game style. Very skilled player. Could have could have been the best player on our team. Uh he had all the talent in the world. He could have been the next, you know, um, he could have been the next, a lot of different players. He had the ability to play in multiple positions. He was very talented. His, his ceiling purely is his attitude and his maturity um, yeah. because it wasn't talent. That was uh, that was a very high ceiling. So very unfortunate, but uh, I saw it. Didn't really care, to be honest. Kind of rolled the eyes and moved on with it because we've got better things to worry about. Yeah, I thought, uh, Siobhan, I thought the club handled it uh, really well today. Uh, with Todd Viney, um, Sonia Hood with the letter. I mean, they did as much as they could and, you know, um, spoke from the heart as well. Uh, how did you see it? Uh, exactly, Dean. That, that's exactly how I felt. And um, I've been critical in the past and thought this move should have been made some time ago. They had more faith than me and um, all credit to them. But um, I think they exhausted all options and everyone can sleep well at night knowing that they tried to do their absolute best to turn his life around and give him the best opportunity to cease the behaviour. Um, so at the end of the day, I think today was the day where I thought, Gee, I think for the first time in a long time, our club is actually being well managed behind the scenes. I mean, the the people we have in place just seem to be um, great people and know exactly what they're doing to bring this club forward and ensure that um, the current playing group is looked after and bring us closer to silverware and um, creating a club environment and culture. And I think that's such a big thing in footy that if you can get the culture and the environment right, um, really you start to grow and flourish from there. So um, I think today was the step in the right direction to making sure that um, the current playing group that we have, and there's a lot of talent and, and promise in that besides Taryn Thomas, really, 
um, get the best platform to um, grow a culture that's going to bring silverware to the club. Um, but just going back to the, the the leaders of the club in um, Gen Watt, J- Todd Viney, Sonia Hood, to name a few, I think they handled this situation with um, – with utmost respect to the victims of this situation and also, um, yeah, like I said, exhausted all options to make sure that he had an opportunity. But once he was found guilty of this behaviour and the AFL took over the investigation, um, I think, like Sonia said in her message, he just ran out of chances. And it's up to um, whatever system it is out there, whether it's, um, if this goes to the police, whether it's the jail system, whether on whether it's um, psychiatric support, whatever it might be, um, it's up to them to kind of deal with this now and our football club can move forward um, and know that they did everything they could. Yeah, definitely. Now, Jesse, it was only six months ago, Brady Rawling said that uh, we may even look to extend his contract at the end of last season because he was going well on the football field. This could have been a disaster, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. He could have been on a four-year contract and then we really oh. would have been a shit. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, look, we can only be glad that we didn't. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, there's just yeah. Look, I think the most disappointing thing when we look at it from a playing perspective, remove the fact that the disappointing thing is that he's just a terrible human being. But the most, the most frustrating thing for me from a club perspective is that if, you know effectively we, um, we well that year we ended up trading our, our pick in a super draft because we were going to lose it to take him to get um, Jared Pollock. No. So it's a two for one deal. We 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 gave up a pick eight or whatever it was. We've got Jared Polek and um and 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 Taron Thomas. And that draft was ridiculous. I'm I'm scared to go look at who we could have taken because yeah um yeah it's it just is what it is unfortunately. But um yeah it's so disappointing, so so disappointing. But there's just nothing we could do about it. It's just out of our control and yeah uh, look uh, yeah well said in terms of there's other talent and we've got that talent on our list and that's what we need to just keep committing to well we've got uh, Jasper Pittard in that deal as well so yeah that's uh, that's something uh shout out to Marnie Cohen for that um <laughs> so let's uh let's uh move away from that we don't want to waste uh, any more oxygen and air on uh Taron Thomas anymore um Siobhan we do have positives to talk about North Ball Yes, we don't want to get too excited, uh, but fuck it. If Essen supporters are going to get excited about Jake Stringer in pre-season photos, then why not get excited? Because it's good to watch, isn't it, when it's in full flow, like yesterday? How good did we look yesterday in patches? It's just so exciting to see. I think the part that really made me excited is that half-back line. I mean, we know McKercha has talent, but he's boot is just lethal he's an accurate kick a booming kick he's got pace um Sheasel alongside McKercher alongside Zach Fisher at times it's speedy it's quick it sets up the play and then the way we just seemed to move the ball was so exciting it was bang handball here and then um giving those forwards in Zerhar and Larky and Um, Paul Curtis, who was excellent yesterday, and um, all of those guys down there, an opportunity to get the ball um, at pace and with accuracy is just going to be something that's going to be really exciting to watch. And um, 
I mean, North Ball is what it's been tagged as and um, why not go with that? I mean, it's something that we can have a laugh about and, and I loved it. Um, it's always something that the, the club has to go and hang their hat on at the start of the season. Um, I think North Ball will have its highs and its lows because as we know, when you do play that type of, of game, there is the, the risk um, that the ball just comes straight back the other way and the opposition scores. And I still think um, the back line is an area of concern for us, although didn't look too bad yesterday. Um, I think the positives yeah. of this sort of game style probably outweigh the negatives. So um, if we can keep that up, I think it's just that the, the sheer pace of the game yesterday really surprised me because I think a lot of the time um, when we watched North in previous seasons, we've always lacked a bit of speed. Um, so that's something we've certainly injected and whether we can uh, play that t- sort of style throughout the whole year and also over four quarters is something yet to be seen. Um, but in saying that, it's just so exciting to watch and I guess it's something that we can go to the footy every week and, and hope to see at least the boys just have a dip and, and um, run the game out. Well, certainly hoping, that's for sure. Now, Jesse, we've seen first quarter when we did when we turned it over that we can get scored against the other way. But who cares at the end of the day? Because I still enjoyed the first quarter. You could put a score quite quick um, this way. Uh, I think it was 40 to 28. Um, and the second quarter, um, you had the opposition being reactive to what we, we are doing rather than the opposite way, which is what um, we've been uh, – you know, found out to be uh, in the past. Like, uh, we've always been reactive to the opposition and, you know, we've always copped probably we're trying to uh, stem the flow of the opposition rather than actually now we, we look like uh, we're trying to be proactive and they're trying to stem the flow of us. So, I mean, even though it's only a small sample size. Yeah, look, I it, firstly, I, I think it's hard not to get excited by yesterday. Even, like you said, that first quarter, it, I was talking to my friend who was calling the supporter while, while I was watching the game and I said, um, it's, I go, geez, neither team really wants to defend. Um, it is a very aggressive style of play. Um, it is going to be a style of play that will be scored against, especially by good opposition. Um, but it, it, when you've got a defence that is as decimated as ours is, um, then you don't have a whole lot of options. You need to kind of play an attacking style. You'll remember Noble in his first year kind of came out and said, we're going to play a really attacking style of football um, and teach attack before we teach defence. And that was all good and well, but we didn't have the cattle. We didn't have the skills. um, And it was a different brand of attacking. It was trying to attack by foot. And when you don't have the skills and you try to attack by foot, it doesn't really work. Uh, this style of play, we actually have elite kickers off the half-back line for the first time in maybe ever uh, in Sheasel and the Kircher. So you've actually got pace off the back line, you've got uh, skill off the back line, and you've got the ability to move the ball fast by either foot or by hand. I think the handball to kick ratio was quite high. So um, it did look, it's a very aggressive style of play. I even enjoyed the first quarter. And, and that's probably where we're at. We've had so many years of disappointing football. I'd rather us lose games by playing aggressive football. Because yeah. uh, then at least it's going to be enjoyable to watch while the kids are still learning. And you can still play. I don't think it's necessary our players don't know how to play defensive. It's just we don't have a you know plethora of, of, of good key defenders. So until we can get that, um, absolutely no issues with us playing this way. So yeah, look, even the first quarter was exciting, but um, yeah, the second, the third and fourth in particular, um, albeit Collingwood rested a few, but the game style was very, very exciting. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll might as well talk about the back line and go to the back line, uh, Siobhan. I mean, I thought the Tors all did their job, and I don't, I don't think it's, it was the first choice uh, for the tall back three, but they all played a really solid game. Callum Dawson probably be a number one defender this year. Yeah. I thought Toby Pink looked really comfortable, albeit against uh, not of the highest quality opposition, and I thought Biggie Newen did a couple of nice things as well. Yeah, like you said, I think um, the clear player to come back into that side is Aiden Core. Um, and just in regards to uh, Callum Dawson, he was so impressive. Uh, I know he was borderline to even get another contract until that round 24 game against the Gold Coast. And then um, he looks like he's had an awesome summer because he looks primed for a great year. And I mean, um, maybe that extra responsibility of being that number two or number one, even at times man, might actually be a benefit to him. He looked really solid. I mean, um, Biggie Newen was probably the one that um, I thought maybe wouldn't be playing round one and he still might not, but he looked solid. He did a couple of nice things during the game. Um, I thought they weren't horrible, but at the same time, I mean, it more just depends on um, the opposition that you're playing. I thought Pink the same. Um, I think when we initially picked him up, his aerial ability and ability to intercept Mark was probably the standout feature for him, and there were a couple of times when he showed that. So um, overall, pretty solid from from those two, and uh, those three, uh, I should say. Um, but there certainly will be some more players coming back into that side, you would think, in in core uh, and even McDonald. Uh, but we're, we're pushing round one in about two weeks' time and um, they're, they're still yet to have a real run at it. Um, we've got that practice game at St Kilda next Sunday and they're not playing in it, then we could be seeing the likes of Dawson and even um, Biggie Nguyen playing in round one if they're not um, ripe, cherry ripe to go. Um, but I do think when Griffin Logue's up and about and, and ready to come back from that ACL, he probably slots straight back in. Um, but not not terrible yesterday. No, definitely not. But yeah, it was interesting. Like uh, I know I've mentioned this a couple of times. Lee Adams last week, he pretty much said, "Oh, Callum Dawson's our number one defender, and we just got to fill out right. the, uh, the other two spots." So it, it looks like he's. Well, I'd say he's a certainty to play round one. I think Toby Pink probably um, will play round one as well. So it's probably just the other spot, and that might be depend on fitness with Aiden Core and or Charlie Combin, because both of them didn't play yesterday through uh, little issues. But Jesse Colby McKercher to Harry Sheasel, Zach Fisher. Link-up play is a thing of beauty. I've seen a couple of passages of play, and I'll tell you, use both my hands to keep the desk down at work. Their link-up play is so fast that it felt like the camera couldn't even keep up with him. Yeah, they've got a good connection, don't they? Um, mm. Sheasel, talking about Sheasel first, I mean, he was just so impressive. You know, played the first half down back, and then he, he played a fair bit in the midfield. I'd like to see what his midfield minutes were, but, uh, you know, he racked up less of the ball, but he still got probably 20 disposals in the second half playing as a midfielder, and he was so creative when he has it. So, look, it's an exciting thing to see. And, and McKercher, I mean... Um, Look, you're always going to get the odd kick coming off the half-back half line at pace that's going to go wayward. But I think for the most part, he was very accurate by kick. He knew when to pick off a target. And, yeah, him and Sheasel with Fisher there alongside them um, were able to move the ball with pace, with meaning, meaningful pace. Um, and be, they were when they were able to move up the ground, they were able to target our forwards mm. with actual kicking. I think for the last two years, all I've talked about in this podcast is how we can't kick the ball inside 50. Um <laughs> Now, you know, 
all right, we were playing Collingwood with probably 10, 10 players missing, but it, that doesn't really affect how you kick it to your forward. They're still going to have a defender on them. So um, I thought the kicking was uh, inside 50 was, was really the thing that made me most excited. Yeah, I mean, was, I don't know if you guys seen Nick Larky when he was mic'd up. Uh, yeah, I, it I did, was yeah. On, it was Great stuff from the club. Yeah, definitely. And he sort of even said in the second quarter, yeah, they're moving the ball really quickly and we're easily getting two metres of separation on our defender because they're moving it so quick and we've got so much space. So it makes a difference uh, if you actually move the ball with pace. You don't have to be highly skilled um, if you play the game on instinct, whereas if you're too mm-hmm. slow, like we have been in the past, that uh, yeah, your skills can really show. So, yeah, interesting. Um, we're getting a bit excited here. Um, in the midfield, Siobhan, uh, George Wardlaw, uh, him and LDU look really good. But I thought Lazaro and Powell in particular looked uh, to be beneficiaries of another pre-season, and they followed up uh, their pre-season intra-club matches with a good performance against not uh, the best Collingwood midfield, but they still had Dacos and Dugowie in there in the first half, who were not, no mugs just quietly. George Wardlaw. George Wardlaw. That mm. man is phenomenal. He is so – he's just – he's everything. I, I think I'm fully growing an appreciation for what a special talent we've got on our list. There were times where – I'll never forget in that first quarter where um, the ball looked certain to be back in Collingwood's hands and his dogged determination to get that ball back. He has no regard for his own safety. He'll just make sure we get that ball back for North. He's a phenomenal talent, so hard at it. Um, him and LDU are starting to form a nice combination in the middle there. LDU's just clean and classy. What more can you say about him? But, um, yeah, the surprise packet, I mean, I've never been Charlie Lazaro's number one fan, but I thought he was really good again yesterday, and I think he's almost solidified a spot in that um, midfield. And, and Powell, again, Powell has um, sublime skill, I think, and his um, ability to balk and um, find a way out of traffic is really impressive as well. He has some, some good moves there. So um, those two, I think, are also in consideration for round one, I'd say. And um, they all look to be forming a nice little combination in there. I think that the player that we spoke a little bit about off air was Will Phillips and where he sort of fits into all this and Mm -hmm. um, only played a half yesterday and I think wrapped up about 12 disposals. He was solid without being outstanding, in in my opinion. Um, And with the likes of Lazaro and Powell really starting to um, motor ahead this preseason, you wonder whether or not he will start round one or where his place in the side is considering um, I think Wardlaw and Davies Uniac and Simpkin probably pick themselves just because of um, their, their class and um, excitement in that midfield and Powell and um, Lazaro are probably gone ahead. Phillips gone ahead of this Phillips of Will Phillips at this point in time, um, just with how deep our midfield sort of goes. So um, I think we, we all know that that's, clearly the most talented and rich line um, that we have at the moment in terms of midfield depth. Um, there's plenty to like there, absolutely plenty to like. And if we can move the ball out of there quickly and with efficiency and pace, then I'm really excited to see what we can do this year because um, they all look like they're starting to gel and there seems to be a system and structure that's allowing for those guys in the middle to really show off their strengths and um, their assets to the team. Jesse, it was interesting uh, to see Jai Simpkin play as a high half forward, effectively as an extra midfielder. Didn't get many CBAs. I'd say he only would have had a handful. Do you see that role for him this year? It seemed to suit him. 
Yeah, you know what? When he started, he obviously started as a forward. Well, it, well at us, he started as a forward. Um, and I was a bit dubious when they said he's going to move out of the midfield and play that role. But I actually think it did suit him, to be honest. The only thing that didn't is he's kicking on goal. I think he kicked two behinds and he probably should have kicked at least one of them. If he can, and I don't think he's always been, I don't think he's always, well, he's not a notable good set it shot at goal. If he can work on that, though, he looked really handy because the one thing that he's always been good at is he's, he's a good pressure player. He he's a good tackler. He's uh, he's able to, to kind of sidestep. He's able to. He seems like a very football smart player. He's able to anticipate the opposition really well. So um, yeah, look, I think it really worked. He went in there when he was needed in there, and the rest of the time he played, um, you know, that high half forward role. And what it does is it actually adds a lot of pressure to the, and a lot of leadership up there along with Larky. So. Um, yeah, look, it was one that I wasn't sure how it was going to work. And, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with how it worked. Um, I'm, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I was a little bit shocked, to be honest. I, I, I didn't think that was it was going to work quite as well as it did. Um, but there you go. Yeah, good on him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it probably sort of flies that, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned Will Phillips there, Siobhan, before. I, I think he's probably on the outer now because uh, other players have just stepped in front of him, Lazaro and Powell. And I think he's just probably stagnated. Yeah, he probably hasn't taken a step that we would have liked. But uh, the wings as well, Siobhan. Now, Stevens, um, he looks like he's going to be a very oh. good recruit. Racks him up. Uh, very good skills. Uh, he continued his impressive pre-season. But uh, Liam Shields got a lot of game time. You think he might get a game on the other wing, or is he just keeping a seat warm for Bailey Scott? Yeah, it's a good question. And I'm also glad you mentioned Dill Stevens because he's a certainty to start for round one. And I actually think that he will be an incredibly strong asset for this side this year. He has, again, pace. I think that's exactly what um, the, the, the buzzword at the moment is probably speed, but he's um, got incredible pace. He's um, really, I thought his skills were good. Um, he's clean with the ball and um, also very yeah, very um, classy in the way he goes about it too. So um, someone that I think will actually turn out to be a very, very good pickup. And don't forget, he was a high draft pick. It doesn't mean everything, but um, he certainly has talent there. So someone that um, I think all North fans should be really excited to, to watch throughout the course of the year. And yeah, Shields was great. And I think I mentioned on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that in my mind, Liam Shields is on the list as a breaking case of emergency type player. Um, and I, I'm certain Bailey Scott will come straight into the side. I mean, um, he's a, he's a superstar in the other wing. So I know that he'll play, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Liam Shields play a lot more game time than we thought. Just because of how young and sort of still inexperienced we are, I still think having a wise three-time premiership player out on that field, um, almost an on-field coach, can do um, more good than, than not. But in saying that, by the time the end of the year rolls around, I would hope that we've progressed past having Liam Shields in the team. That's no disrespect to him and what he can bring. Um, but I certainly don't think he's going to be the, the key to our future. Um, but someone that will be good to have on the ground. Um, I think at the end of the day, it will either be Hugh Greenwood or um, Liam Shields that will be playing in that side. I don't think we'll have both. Um but, yeah, he's, he's more than serviceable when he's out on the ground and um, good uh, in terms of his guidance and um, experience in whether it's setting up um, the stoppage or um, the ground when the players are there. It, I think he will provide some value over the course of the year. 
Yeah, I think it's similar to last year where we had a couple of senior players early in the year, like a Jack Zeeble, um, Kane Turner, not to mention him again, but uh, just a couple of senior blokes in the team. And like you, you pretty much summed it up really well there, Siobhan, that uh, hopefully by the second half of the year or towards the end of the year that um, we've sort of moved past him and someone else has taken his spot. But look, at this stage, you, I think you hit the nail on the head that it will be either him or Hugh Greenwood um, that will play each week. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. I think there'll be uh, you know, a lot more to tell uh, against the Kilda next week. Now, I want to save this one for you, Jesse, the Ruckman. I have to tell you, and I was just as impressed with Tristan Sherry yesterday. Is it too soon to be saying he will be All-Australian this year? Look, I'll tell you what I'll go as far as saying. I'm very big on my super coach. I've always been big on my super coach. I'm a, I'd like to think I'm a pretty good super coacher. Um, I'll consider putting him in the team because we don't have any other options. Um, look. I thought he was good at what I've always said that he is good at, which is if you need a player to apply pressure, if the ball goes to ground and he's in the middle, he is a great tackler. Um, I've got no issues with his tackling at all. He's, he applies good pressure. Uh, he's able to um, he's able to affect the contest. What my pure is uh, the quality of his rock taps, and I think. Um, that's the only only knock. Well, I'm sure I've had said a lot more knocks on him, but I think that's the the only knock I'll have of him yesterday. He, yeah, look, he had a really solid game, albeit against what I think are the two, well, the worst player in the AFL, uh, in Mason Cox, um, and uh, and Cameron, who yeah is a premiership ruckman, absolutely, but um. I'm struggling here to say something nice about him. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. It makes me makes me uh, uncomfortable. No, look, he had a solid hit out. We'll see how he goes next week against Rowan Marshall. Um, look, I, I I think we said this was last week or the week before. The one thing with Ruckburn is that if you can get if he can get to the level which is on par with a, you know a half of the comp, which is serviceable, able to not get embarrassed in the ruck, able to just mm you know, negate the opposition Ruckman to a degree and tackle and apply pressure, then that's fine. He'll be serviceable. He'll get us through the year, etc. He's not, I think we can all agree, he's not going to turn into a Max Gorn or a Tim English or a Dean Cox, etc. Um, but he, I was writing him off as a stopgap and maybe he's good enough to be a stopgap. <laughs> Is that still harsh? It probably is. But you know what? Maybe he'll make a fool of me and be the All-Australian Ruckman. I think you'll be a reincarnation of all the top Ruckman you just said. Max Gorn, Dean Cox, everything. So I'm around. I'd never be happier to be wrong. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Um, yeah, so Siobhan, I mean, I've talked, we've talked about him and I've talked about him with Jesse a few times. Uh, we just want him to compete in the Ruck because the midfielders can just do the rest. I mean, he's... Probably a bottom six ruckman in the competition, mm. but um, but he did do some nice things. He took some overhead marks, contested marks yesterday, and was involved in some chains of play as well. So, are you coming around on Tristan Cherry, or are you on the fence still? Um, I mean, I was devastated when when Goldie made the choice to go to the Bombers, and I I knew that that's the biggest hole that was going to be left, and obviously. Losing Zeebel and Cunnington and some of those guys um, was sad, but at the same time, I knew there was going to be some form of coverage. Um, I think the biggest loss we'll feel this year is the loss of Goldie. 
I, I truly think that because I just think Tristan Sherry, it's he's either not at the standard yet or will probably be a plodder for the club, if that makes any sense. And I'm not saying he won't improve or he won't keep getting better over time, what, nothing like that. But I just think that he's never going to be um, a top-line ruckman. All he needs to be is serviceable, but I would like to see him get better around the ground. So um, for me, if he pushes forward, I think he's pretty much rendered um, fairly um, not useless, but not you're not you're not expecting him to take a great mark or kick a, a goal, if that makes sense. And I think in your ruckman, you want them if they push forward to at least sort of compete enough to suggest that they will take a mark or kick a goal, whatever it is down there. I think his around the ground work needs to be better, and I don't think his tap work is setting the world on fire for the sort of midfield that we have. Do I think he'll get better? Yes. Do I think shouldering the responsibility of being the sole ruckman or sharing the duties with CCJ is going to make him a better player? Yes, but he's still got a lot of work to do, especially because we have such a quality midfield. He needs to get better at, at the service that he gives them and then his overall ability around the ground needs to improve because at the moment he's a, a low a, a low possession player, but I don't know if all of his possessions are actually having an impact on the game for a big man. Well, yeah, that's that, and that's fair enough. You know, I mean, we're, the jury's definitely still out on him. That's for, that's for sure. And we did, um, we do have a draft. We did draft a ruckman in uh, last year as well, Taylor Goat, who we're quite high on. I uh, haven't seen much of him yet, so yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. You know, we've got to we've got to go with him pretty much. And he did play. I can't remember him not being in a centre bounce, to be honest with you. It felt yeah, like he's like, very like, high minutes. Yeah, I, I felt like he was there 100% of the game. I'm, I'm not too sure if he was. I, I assume he would have had the odd spell on the bench, but I never saw him. He played 92% game time. Oh, there you go. Yeah, some stats In here. the heat. So he must have, um, he must have, you know, done a fair bit on his fitness over the over the preseason, because that's pretty impressive. Last year, I think, when we were watching him play, the knock on him was that he couldn't play at minutes a lot of the time, so it was putting a bit more burden on the other ruck. But he he, he rucked out the game, which was really impressive. I have to say as well, look, you know, while while I've been very critical of him, uh, he did say happy birthday to me, albeit it was paid for by my friend who knew, who knew how I felt about him. Um, but he did say happy birthday to me, so kudos to him. You know, I hope I'm wrong. When was your birthday? Oh, no, this was my 30th. It was a few years ago now, but... Um, oh, yeah, I was going to attend a cameo for him to you, so... No, no, my friend uh, paid for one of those, you know, where they you pay for them to say something, and so I've, I've kept that video. Uh, yeah, so the if cameo, ever becomes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if he ever becomes a quality ruckman, I'll, I'll run with that one. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, forward line, Jesse, and players like Larky, Zerha, Stevenson, Curtis will love this north ball because it goes in quick and they get so much separation from the opposition. And even Nick Larky, when he was mocked up at half time yesterday, and I, I mentioned this earlier, he, he said he loved it because he, he was getting two metres space on his opponent quite easily and he had a lot of space to work with. This is exciting for those blokes, isn't it? Oh, it's the first time in probably four or five years that they've actually been able to get free space. <laughs> we, we've been absolutely terrible at that. Um, look, oh, I think what was most impressive to me, like Larky looked like he was going to win the Coleman, but I think the most impressive thing to me was Paul Curtis. That kind of came from nowhere. He, he, 
and it wasn't the goals. It was that a def- it was that effort where he mowed down was it Noble or someone beat them in the contest in strength and then got the ball to Steve-O who kicked the goal. That was the most impressive thing for me because we cannot defend in the forward line. And all of, and if Curtis applies that every single week, he's going to be an infinitely better player. We know what talent he has offensively, but it was that pressure in the heat, him running down and not just beating the opposition to the ball, but ripping the ball out of their hands. That was the most impressive thing for me. So we looked dangerous. Zerha looked dangerous. Larky looked dangerous. The whole forward line is going to look more dangerous if the ball is coming in quickly, but also if the ball's coming in with intent. And, you know, even in the past when we've moved the ball quickly, you know, Sean Attlee could move the ball quickly, but it was going out in the full 50% of the time. Uh, you've got Now you've got, you know, McKercher and, and, and Sheasel who can actually kick the ball and hit a, you know, hit a target, which has been rare for us. And it makes a massive difference. If we can play half as accurate as we did on the weekend for the season, it's going to make our forwards so much happier. Just not even about winning. It's just that it will make them happier to be at the club because it just, it makes all the difference in the world. It makes a massive amount of difference. And yeah, yeah, it, it, it was... The other thing that I appreciated was their ability to not run into one another. So even when we played CCJ in there, they didn't they they made sure to give each other space. The amount of time that we got the ball quickly up there, and the, we we didn't have two tall forwards or two of any forwards running into each other for the ball. I think the closest we got to it was there was one time where Zerha probably pushed his man off it to be honest, and Larky took the mark where. But other than that, a lot of the time it was one-on-one when the ball got down there. And if we can maintain that type of intent going into the forward line for the year, it's going to make a huge difference. Mm, oh, definitely will. Now, Siobhan, we had Blake Drury and Robert Hanson as the small forwards. They came on in the second half. I think Robert Hanson might have just played the last quarter. Do you think either of those players can threaten anyone to get a game, like get into the round one team, or do you think they're still on the outer? No. Yeah, I <laughs> sorry to be blunt. Um no, no, I don't I don't think either of those two players will play round one. And they're certainly um in my mind more depth players than anything else. Um Nick is gonna win the Coleman this year. I'm absolutely certain of that. He picked up exactly where he left off against Gold Coast. Um, he's so impressive. Um, when I think of North Melbourne, I just think of Nick Larkey now because he's just become the face of the club, in my opinion. Just um, he's the the bums on seats player. He's just a brilliant forward. Um, in terms of the structure of it, I couldn't have said it any better than what Jesse said just before about um, how I think that the forwards are just going to be much happier with the style of play because it's being it's getting drilled in there with speed, with force. It catches the opposition defenders off guard when you're playing with, with speed and accuracy as well. Um, so it's going to be a nice year to be in that forward line. I liked the forward mix we had in that first half yesterday. Um I think Stevenson's probably locked down the spot. Um, I've always been 50-50 on whether or not he'd play round one, but I'm pretty sure that he probably will start. And I liked how Simkin played more of a half-forward role than a midfield role. Um, I think that's initially where he played when he first came to North. Um, and I think having him there was actually um, quite a nice um, 
viewing experience. So I think um, he, him playing in that position too looks really solid as well. So um, don't forget Eddie Ford didn't play. And I think Eddie Ford's probably gone past a Hanson Jr. and a Drury as well. Um, and Zerha's that real mercurial type, isn't he, where he's not a tall, he's not a small, he's that medium that just threatens all the time. So um, I don't necessarily think we have to have a designated small. It would be ideal, but I think the designated small is probably Paul Curtis. No one's moving him from the spot in round one, I can tell you that much. Four goals yesterday. His pressure was was excellent, um, and he looks like he's taking his game to a new level. Um, he's another player where you just go, okay, hang on a minute. If the future's in in the hands of guys like this, we're going to be okay. Um, so he was very impressive yesterday and I think he'll start round one and um, will be that goal sneak pressure type player that we've been looking for. So um, the combination of Larky, uh, Stevenson, Curtis, Simkin, um, Zerha, I think looks really good, good. And the way we're moving the ball um, is going to keep them smiling for some time, I think. Definitely. Now, Jesse, we did get uh, Tyler Sellers. Uh, we talked him up last week, and he did get uh, his contract uh, for the year, which is great news. Were you a bit surprised that uh, they might have might not might have just uh, thrown him in yesterday? Yeah, I was disappointed. That was the only thing I was disappointed about that we didn't give him a crack. And then that's you know, obviously, I've got massive wraps on him. Um, it doesn't surprise me though. There was a comment that. Um, that was made by when he got drafted by Clarko about, you know, you just got to keep at it and, you know, you'll get an opportunity this year. And maybe I was just reading too much into it, but there was a little bit of that to me that were kind of was like, oh, okay, maybe they still think there's a bit of work that needs to be done there. Um, but look, I, I'm, I, I've, look, I've got massive reps on him. I, I'm a little bit surprised he didn't play, um, but, you know, the result was still there. So, you know, Yes, it was weird, but they obviously have an intent to go in with, you know, probably Larky and CCJ to offer that, you know, that other ruck role. Um, and so they don't need or want, you know, someone of his height being in there. So, look, it makes sense. I, I still think he'll get it. He'll get a crack um, sooner rather than later. Um, but, yeah, I would have liked to have seen him get, you know, a bit of a go. That would have been nice. Fair enough. Now... CCJ was mentioned there, and I wanted to save this for you, Sean, because I know you're high on him, and <laughs> even, I, even I was high on him when we recruited him. Uh, how did you see his game? It was a bit uh, indifferent. He did okay in the match sims or match play thing they did in the last five minutes. Took a nice mark. Did, did, are you, any concerns with him? Oh, definitely, and I'm I'm very big on him becoming the second tall and a pinch hitter in the ruck. Um, and I really like his um, talent and ability, but he's been shit out. So that's just being flat out honest, um, taking my, my Cullen Common Jones hat off. Um, he's intra-club and yesterday he has been very poor. You want to see more from him. I think he forgets. Um, just how tall and big and strong he is. He plays almost at times where it's like he's afraid of body contact in some way. I could be wrong in saying that, but he needs to start crushing packs. He needs to start clunking marks and he needs to be tougher at the ball. Um, 
he has ability, he has talent, we've seen it. I don't know why it's also not on display because I think he's he's got the ability, but at the moment it's just not coming together. Um, he's not m- taking as many marks as he should be. Um, I think when he rucks, we're not necessarily looking very dangerous. And up forward, I think he's just getting muddled up. Um, I don't think he's reading things very well. So um, if he's not careful, and it, I think he will play, because there's not a lot of other options. But if sellers can really start to put things together in the VFL, then I would be afraid for Callum Common Jones' spot in the side if he isn't able to kind of improve. Um, I still think he'll get it together, and I'm a big believer, but he has been poor. No, and that's pretty pretty well summed up. I think, yeah, we expect a little bit more from him. At, and he's 25 now too. He's not a kid anymore. He's a, yes. he's a big body. So we, we really you know, want him to step up because we've seen the potential. We've seen it at Richmond in those nine or ten games he played there. And he just hasn't shown it uh, for long enough uh, at the club. He has had concussion issues. He had concussion issues in the preseason, which hampered him a little bit. But uh, you've got to back him in. And like you said, I think he'll get a game first few rounds because we don't have too many options. But there are, you know, it does help that uh, we did sign it to Tyler Sellers, and he, like you said, if he gets his, uh, if he starts playing well in the VFL, then we've certainly got options here, which is, uh, which is good to see. Now, Jesse, we had ten players unavailable for selection. I am a bit worried about Luke McDonald and Aiden Core. A uh, couple senior blokes who we haven't seen this preseason. They're cutting it very fine to get a call up for round one, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Uh, look, core worries me more than McDonald, and I think I don't need to expand on that one, really. Yes. But, um, yeah, look, I, I'm a bit yeah, – I'm, I'm terrified of going in against any any team, really, with, um, with you know, Callum Dawson as your main defender with a few blokes around him who have never really played defence in an AFL team. Yeah. Um, if we don't get core in there as a general uh, to kind of solid things up, uh, I think we're in a lot of trouble. So – yeah, yeah, he he needs to pull it together. That's our only option. If he doesn't, we're in a lot of trouble. Uh, have they said how far away he is? I haven't seen any real updates on him. And when we have, it's kind of like, oh yeah, he's on track. He's, you know, he's he's going to get there. But is he? Is he really? It's um, yeah. It, it's 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 starting to worry me a fair bit. Um, I just I I don't know what we do if he doesn't play because we, we we do have a decently tough start to the year. We've got some, you know, some pretty tough opposition and you kind of want your, your best defender playing up front. Um, so look, it, 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 it worries me a lot. It, the main thing with him is that he, he's always kind of had injuries all throughout his career. So this was always going to be a risk of happening. Um, it's just, it's just unfortunate because with the injury injuries the way they are with you know Griffin Logue not due back for a while, um, he's kind of only a real AFL you know AFL proven quality defender. Uh, Luke McDonald, as I said, I don't really need to go into much there. Again, you asked us the other week if he's fully fit at the moment. Which whose spot does he take on who you saw on the weekend? I yeah, assume I a Bergman or a Rader, but I thought both of them were impressive at times. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that's the only one I can think of. <clears throat> yeah, out of those it, ten, go on, Jesse, keep going. Well, I think that's really it. That's, that's the only positions you can really, really challenge for. Um, so, yeah, look, at 
it it worries me a fair bit. It it worries me a fair bit. Mm. I look. It, uh, the only thing is that we're not going to win a flag. So if we're going to have injuries, this is the year to do it. But yeah, you'd you'd prefer um, you'd prefer it to be a little bit different to how it is. You'd prefer to have your full team in, but that's just yeah, it's the way it crumbles. Unfortunately, you're going to have injuries during the year, and we've just got it to. Our uh, probably most important defender, but that's okay because we're going to move the ball so quickly that it's never. <laughs> no, that's right. Exactly right. Um, I think the thing that worried me um, from what I heard yesterday was I think that the name that we've forgotten to mention in the podcast is is Charlie Combin not playing <laughs> yesterday due to a, a foot injury. Mm. Um, so uh, we know his extensive history of injuries, and he's the great white hope, I guess, in defence that we're all really hoping that he will um, come in and although has hasn't had experience in that area of the ground, has some AFL experience, um, great aerial ability, great attack on the ball and the man. We know what he brings. Um, I hope he plays against St Kilda on Sunday. Um, and, and Jed Adcock did say that it was borderline whether or not he was going to play or not. But you do just worry that if Common can't get his body right this year um, and he's not able to play in defence, that does leave another gaping hole there. Because I think if he is good enough to play in defence, he'll slot in there no problem. Um, and then you'll probably have the combination of core um, Common and uh, Callan Dawson, you know, who I think picks himself at this point. So let's just hope he can get his body right and we see play at least one practice match so that by the time round one comes around if he's good to go then um, we can see what defence combin looks like but I'm really hoping he can get it together but, Yeah I mean they keep saying that uh, you know oh, it's just a minor thing he could you know he, he won't play this week but uh, we hear that a lot it's just a minor thing and then it turns into a major thing so it, there's always concern uh, with uh, someone that's got uh, an injury history so we'll, uh, we'll wait and see I guess next week um and he hasn't even in uh, you know preseason. He's only played half here and you know three quarters in an intra club match, and so he hasn't had a full run out at uh, Charlie Common, which um, might mean he misses out in the round one team. Especially, I thought Toby Pink and you know Callum Dawson really um, you know played their part. So it's just one more spot to fill. Um, out of those ten that were missing, though, Siobhan, I think Bailey Scott is the only shoeing to get a game. I mean, maybe McDonald of core, but to me, those two aren't certainties. And and Greenwood, Ford, Dersma, you mentioned we mentioned Charlie Common. They're all very close, but we have some depth there, don't we? We do. Whether it's quality depth is another argument. Um, that's the part that worries me the most. But there's enough players that can play there. It's just more um, their level of experience or their ability that we've seen whether or not it's enough to stop um, a, a flurry of goals, we will soon find out. But there is enough there that if someone goes down, there's another soldier up, but it just depends on the quality and experience of that soldier. That's the only thing. And um, like I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the quality of, of the the forwards, the medium type forwards and the mids we have, we just need our mids to probably work a bit more in overtime and overdrive and run both ways to support the defence while we build that area of the ground. Um, and, yeah, I think that's just going to have to be the case for a little while. There's an, Like you said, there's enough players to come in, but it's about um, what those players do. 
Definitely. Uh, we've got Brian George. There's obviously high raps on him as well. Playing halfback, which is, I think we've talked about this, Sean. Um, it was a bit strange that they've put him there He's, because he is such a game changer up forward and next factor there. But uh, look, what do I know? Uh, we're just sitting on the outside. Uh, that's all I have for you guys. Uh, Jesse, did you want to add anything else? Maybe uh, a comment on Tyler Stellars and his moustache or anything like that? <laughs> I'm a big fan of them. As a, as, as a moustache person, um, I know. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan, a uh, big fan of the moustache. Um, and hopefully he can get a game um, because we need more players with moustaches. It's as simple as that. Uh, we've got too many mullets and not enough moustaches. So there needs to be a dramatic change in, in, in the hairstyles of AFL footballers. And I think that starts with Sellers. I think he can become a cold hero, a bit like Bailey Smith, um, just with on the moustache front. So, yeah, look, uh, I think he's uh, he's going to get definitely get a game, and I think he'll prove a few people wrong. But look, we're on, we're on a positive high, albeit it's a preseason game. I understand that, but uh, we didn't really have much to. We haven't had a lot to really be excited for in a few years, and uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, there's nothing wrong with this at all. Getting excited over the, the you know the preseason, um, we've just got to carry that uh, winning form into the season and that confidence into the season, and hopefully they don't go back into their shell and start playing a different way. We want to we want to keep playing the way that we're playing with that mm-hmm. intent because it's. Um, it's exciting, and and that's just that's just what you want to see. Yeah, definitely, we want to build towards something, and and this is the first step, and it, it does it is very exciting. Uh, Siobhan, you want to add anything else before I let you go? Credit to both of you with Tyler Sellers, though I must say, um, I know both of you have been very high on him and have mentioned that name a couple of times on the podcast. So credit to both of you. I think North should give you a call up in the recruitment department. I think <laughs> it was um, a, a bold, bold move, and it's obviously paid off. And fingers crossed that he can be part of the forward line for years to come. Um, but I'm just getting so excited. We're about two weeks away from the real stuff starting, and um, next Sunday is probably going to be a different sort of test against St Kilda. You'd say the second practice match is probably taken a bit more seriously than the first and um yeah it's just all getting very real and exciting and if anything we can take away that we're the the um match simulation kings it was nice to see us really uh play well in that area with the final five defending the game and also um defending the lead and hopefully that's something that we can really work on because i know as a team we have a habit of leaking red time goals way too often so fingers crossed we've been training that so it was nice to come out winners um and yeah like jesse said i know it's a preseason game but um and we joke and we laugh about it but it was nice to see the game plan sort of really starting to look solid and exciting and um i think it's easy to forget this is the first real pre-season of stability and hopefully going forward, it's going to be a season of stability. Um, Taryn Thomas is now in the rearview mirror and we can really focus on um, having Clarko for the full season and leading this group, getting a consistent message, consistent game plan, um, consistent coaching. Um, I think it's really starting to look promising for this group and the time's now to improve and the time's now to get to get our shit together. I think that's probably the message of the podcast, but um, I really feel like this is this is a, an exciting time for our group and um, fingers crossed we can see more of what we saw on the weekend on Sunday and then leading into um, opening rounds. 
oh, definitely pretty well uh, summed up there too. And yeah, I don't know about me or maybe Jesse, but um, yeah, I don't know about me going on a recruiting team. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I did. I ha- I did uh, mention uh, that I thought Jared Pollack was going to be was going to be a star recruit, and I've mentioned a few others that I've missed out on. So uh, yeah, but uh, this guy <laughs> really. I mean, Jesse, this guy really did stand out in the VFL, you know, last year and even in the preseason when we watched him uh, at uh, Bandura that day. He he. he you could sort of tell this guy was AFL ready, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. He looked a class above. I'm surprised that he didn't get it. You know, if he didn't get a go for us, someone else was 100% picking him up. He was, he was a bit. He looks a better forward than than another tall forward who someone else on this podcast isn't a massive fan of. <laughs> will it will ever be? Unfortunately, based on their current form. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, uh, look. I'm pretty keen on him getting a go, uh, I think he will definitely play sooner rather than later. And that's going to be really exciting um, because, it, I, you know, I've, I've used the example before. He plays what I would say is very similar to a, um, to a, uh, like a Jack Darling mold. Mm-hmm. So I think he, um, yeah, I'm, look, I'm excited to see what he can do. And I, I can't wait for him to get a crack at it. Um, but yeah, in terms of recruitment, there's, you know, uh, half the time I, I definitely think I should be on there. I'd be better than <laughs> half of the people that are already on there. But I tell you what, if I was in the uh, list management department, I would have cut half of our, uh, our midfielders before we even got a crack. So probably put me in recruitment, but don't put me anywhere near list management or else we wouldn't <laughs> have a lot of the players that we do at the moment. So yeah. <laughs> No, no, fair enough. Uh, Siobhan, uh, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Uh, it was good to have a positive podcast. Generally, we're talking about losses like we did last year. So, yeah, it was good to start off uh, this season pretty well. Hopefully, it's a sign of things to come. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, guys. Uh, yeah, go Roos. Jesse, thank you so much for coming on. Always a pleasure, and we will chat soon. Yep, we'll talk after the uh, big win against the Saints. <laughs> So thank you very much to Siobhan and Jesse for coming on the show once again. The era of North Ball has begun and it was good to do my first episode about it. It will be one that I'll put in the archive and we'll remember all together that this was the era of North Ball. Well, I'm probably getting a bit, a bit too excited about it all, but uh, why not? Let's get excited. Uh, I, I remember Ange Postacoglu, uh, you know, when uh, he won... He, uh, uh, it's like third or fourth game with Tottenham, and they were on top of the league. And he sort of says, he sort of says, let the supporters get excited. So that's what we're doing. Yeah, you know, we're not on top of the ladder or anything like that. But uh, let's get excited about beating the reigning premiers and showing some high class, fast, good football. So yeah, why not get excited? And thank you very much to all you lovely listeners for all the likes, retweets, and comments you all put out for the show. Telling your friends as well, it's much appreciated. I will be back probably next week, early next week. Uh, I'm not too sure which guest I will have on. I've got uh, options there, but um, yeah, there'll be uh, other guests coming on next week. Hopefully I'll be able to get a ravishing Ricky Mangides, who did a brilliant article on shinbone.com talking about our game yesterday, so look out for that. Anyways, that's it for today. So, bye for now, and go Roos.